today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And they could not lay the blame at the feet of anyone, and certainly not the Lord. But isn't it true that like them then, so too we now are prone to blame everything and everyone else but ourselves for the problems in our lives. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. What does it mean to have a good heart? Someone who tells the truth doesn't steal or cheat. According to the world, you'd be counted as a good person, but according to God, you're still a sinner. Being a sinner means you can't get into heaven. Thankfully, as Pastor J.D. shares in today's message, you have a Savior in Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 59 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thank you so much, Lord. Lord, please, at this time, will you, by the Holy Spirit, just settle us and quiet our minds, (laughs) settle our hearts, and just all the anxiety and stress and pressure and all of the things that we're dealing with in our busy lives these days, and especially with everything that's going on in the world today, this time for us represents a a true sanctuary in every sense of the word. It's a place, a safe place, a beautiful place that we can come to and, and just put all of that aside and open up our Bibles and open up our hearts, open up our eyes, so we can see our ears, so we can hear. Because you are going to speak in and through your word. That's not the question. The question isn't, are you going to speak? You're going to speak. But the question is, are we going to hear, and more importantly, take heed to your word? That's why we're here, Lord. We are readily admitting that we are hungry and thirsty for you and desperate for you, really. Truth be known. And we know that only you can satiate that need that we have in our souls for you. So Lord, we, we really need for you to minister to us and speak to us and show to us what it is that you would have us to see in this chapter that we have before us. So bless our Bible study, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Hey, what do you think about the title that I chose for Bible study? You like that? (laughs) I'm the problem. All right, let's just close in prayer. I think we got it, right? (laughs) You realize that, right? You're the problem. I'm the problem. That's what this chapter before us is about, actually. It's about the problem of sin and the suffering that always ensues because of sin. And the problem is me. 
and not anyone else. And certainly, as we're about to see, <laughs> the Lord is not the problem. Now, I, I know that can seem like and sound like a firm grasp of the obvious, but I mean, that's what the prophet Isaiah is inspired to write about concerning this problem. The only way I know how to say it, and I say it often, is that God has a problem. Not that God has problems, but the problem God has is us. <laughs> we are the problem. And again, as we're about to see, it's almost like the people in Isaiah's day were unwilling to acknowledge that they were the problem, that their sin was the problem, that the suffering and the consequences because of their sin was because of their sin. And they could not lay the blame at the feet of anyone, and certainly not the Lord. But isn't it true that like them then, so too we now are prone to blame everything and everyone else but ourselves for the problems in our lives. And when I talk about us being the problem, I, I already know the reaction. And it's really more of a reaction than a response, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And the reason I know about what the reaction is, is because I have the same reaction that is in my flesh. As the Apostle Paul writes, I know that in my flesh there dwells no good thing. It almost sounds noble and, you know, spiritual. I know that in me there dwelleth no good thing that is in my flesh. And you're like, yeah, wow, Paul, that's great. You know what he's saying? This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about, inspired by the Holy Spirit writing. He is saying, I know that I am rotten through and through. How about that? In other words, I'm the problem. But see, my flesh chafes at that. Just the mention of that, the notion that it's me that's the problem. My sin, my state, I'm the one to blame. I have no one to blame but myself. That's how we say it, right? You have no one to blame but yourself. But they weren't doing that. They actually had the audacity to infer that the blame lay at the feet of the Lord. And that's what we're going to see right out of the chute here in verse 1. You ready? Here we go. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor His ear heavy that it cannot hear. Translated, it, the Lord's hand being too short to save is not the problem. His hand is not too short. He can save. And the problem also isn't that His hand is too short to save. The problem is not that His ear is too heavy to hear. In other words, that's not the problem, you guys. 
That's what the problem is not. Now here's what the problem is. Verse 2. You ready? Should we bow our heads and close our eyes? You can slip out right now before it, because <laughs> we're going to get right up into your grill. Well, my grill too. <laughs> Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins, that's the problem, your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. That's the problem. It's not that His hand is too short to save or His ears too heavy to hear. No, He, he, he can save. He hears. That's not the problem. You are the problem, and your sin is the problem, and your iniquity is the problem. Now we're going to get a little bit more specific, verse 3. For your hands are defiled with blood. you got blood on your hands. And your fingers with iniquity. Notice, hands, fingers, lips, tongue. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one, verse 4, calls for justice nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. And then verse 5, it gets worse. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Wow, that's pretty graphic. Well, it needs to be. Because see, God has a problem. Again, God doesn't have problems, but the problem is that God has to show them them, and that they are the problem, and their sin is the problem. And so He has to describe very graphically, in detail, just how sinful and wicked and evil their iniquity is. Verse 6, their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. We actually saw this last chapter 58, the fist of wickedness. I mean, really this is a description of a people that were violent, Wicked, evil, I mean, how about this imagery of conceiving iniquity? There was actually a birthing, a conceiving of iniquity. That's what they were doing. They had blood on their hands, lies on their lips, violence in their hands, their fingers, their mouth, their tongue. What they did and what they said, evil to the core. Verse 7. We go from hands and mouth to feet. Their feet run to evil. (laughs) 
I mean, they're, they're not running away from it. They're running to it in haste. And they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. So what's happening here? What What is this saying here? Well, I think it speaks to how that no matter how dismissive we are about sin, and we are dismissive about our sin, we always shed it in a more favorable and palatable and amicable light. Oh, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm not really hurting anybody. Yes, you are. And so we tend to and are prone to sort of um, dismiss and depreciate the seriousness of our sin. And here God is saying, you're not going to get away with it. Nice try. No matter how dismissive we are about our sin, or even our efforts to cover our sin, this is how God sees our sin. He sees everything. Now, that can have one of two effects on us. One good, one not so good. The one not so good is God sees everything we do. No matter how dismissive we are of it, or how covering up we are of it, and we do try to cover it up, but God sees all of it. He sees the making haste to run to evil, to shed innocent blood, this act of violence in their hands and even their mouths, physically abusive, verbally abusive. I know, again, we talked about this last week. I won't get into it again, but just the way we treat other people, God sees everything. And God sees it for what it is, no matter how we try to pretty and tidy it up. And again, sort of make it so it's not, it's not that bad. No, it is bad. It is bad. This is how God sees it. Verse 8, the way of peace they have not known. And there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. I know it's kind of dorky, but you know those sayings, you know, no God, you'll know peace. If there's no God, N-O God, there's no peace, N-O peace. Here's the point. You got to know that those who choose these crooked paths will never know peace. They will never taste from the cup of joy, they will never taste from the cup of peace. Instead, it will be nothing but turmoil. Turmoil. For this reason. Now, what's interesting is, the Apostle Paul actually quotes this in his epistle to the Romans, 
in the context of how there is no one righteous, not even one. In fact, every Sunday in the ABCs of Salvation we quote Romans 3.10, because Paul is establishing this truth that there are no one, there is no one that is without sin. John expounds on it and takes it a step further and says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. How about that? Have a nice afternoon. I mean, just in your face. No, there is no one that can say that they are without sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. No one is good. You might think you're a good person. You may very well be a good person. You might be a gooder person than me. I know that's not a word. Don't email me. But you'll never be good enough. You know how we say of people, oh, they have a good heart. You might want to ask Jeremiah about that. He says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. That's bad enough to be wicked. How about deceitfully wicked? That means that we're deceived, self-deceived. That's even worse. You know what that means? Just like, I mean, I know this is deeply profound, but to be self-deceived is to be self-deceived. You are so good at deception that you've deceived yourself. Let that sink in. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know them? You have no idea. And there's no hope for you. Your heart is beyond repair. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. The heart of man. What is in the heart of man? So the next time somebody says, well, be nice about it. I mean, (laughs) the next time somebody says, oh, you have such a good heart, or they have such a good heart, just remind them, no, they don't. They have a deceitfully wicked heart. (laughs) In Jesus' name. And say it in love, you know. I know it packs a lot of punch, but it's true. And again, that's what Paul was saying. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, I am rotten through and through. I am deceitfully wicked. I am self-deceived. I'm so good at deception. I've deceived myself. I believe my own lies. That's how good I am. You know, that's true, right? I'm sure you have crossed paths with people that are pathological liars, as we, you know, term it. (laughs) They are so good at lying that they actually believe their own lies. You know, that's possible, right? That's what being self-deceived is. I had no intention of going that far into it, but I did. So, But the Apostle Paul is essentially tasked with the same thing that the prophet Isaiah is tasked with, and that is to make this case that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And he quotes it in Romans 3. Let me read verses 15 through 17. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. Actually, from about verse 10, I think it's through verse 18, he not only quotes this passage here in Isaiah, but he quotes from the Psalms as well. There's no fear of God in their eyes. They fancy themselves as being good when in fact 
they are evil and full of iniquity. Verse 9, now we turn a corner here, and it's a good corner to turn. I mentioned there were two effects that knowing that God sees everything can have on us. One good, one not so good. The not so good is that God sees everything. But the good is that God sees everything. So they are not going to get away with it. Oh, they think they've gotten away with their conception of iniquity. They've conceived, hatched these viper eggs of an evil plot. You know how we say it, they hatched an evil plot. (laughs) Well, that's the good side of it, because, yeah, God sees everything you're doing. In fact, here's the thing. God knew that you were going to do that before you even knew you were going to do that. In fact, God knew you were going to do that before there was even a you to do that. How about that? He sees everything, and you're not going to get away with it. Okay, back to our Bible study already in progress. Verse 9, we turn this really good corner now, and this is their response. Therefore, verse 9, Justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope, verse 10, for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We can relate to that here, yeah? Isn't there kind of a moaning, crying sound and tone? I remember when we first moved here, I I could never quite get over the sound of the doves and the pigeons and the minor birds, by the way. There's no minor birds in heaven, by the way, just so you know. I... You know, just so irritating. And anyway, enough of my problems. I, I know God created minor birds, but whatever. So the moan, sadly, like doves. This is a quite a, a description of what they were experiencing in their sinful state. We look for justice, but there is none for salvation. But it is far from us. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. It seems that they are finally admitting and acknowledging, at the very least anyway, the consequences and effects of their sin. And how poetic is their description of being like a blind man trying to grope around and find their way in the middle of the day? It's pitch black. They grope and stumble as if they have no eyes to see. And they growl like bears, and you can just kind of feel the frustration, the agitation, the irritation. And then they moan sadly like doves. There's just kind of a a sad tone and moan to them, all because of the consequences and the effects of their sin. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth 
with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. Holy.